Is it a sex tape or a porn? Sex tape. I don't know what what the difference is. A sex tape to me implies that, like, you know, you and I, for example, could have sex and set up a camera in the corner, and that would be our sex tape. Like, it's kind of an amateur. So, is the idea that it's paid or unpaid? In my opinion, a sex tape would be an amateur production filmed by one of the two people having sex. Okay, so that's the distinction is who who the cinematographer is. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> right. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Beef Station, speeding through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. Andrew. Let's kick it off. What are we doing, boy? We are venturing back into that old universe of HP. HP. This whole episode is about brown sauce. (laughs) Why is it so vinegary? Is it really that good on chips? Is it good or not? We'll answer. (laughs) Yes. Hell no. Oh, (laughs) now this is radio. Brown sauce has a time and a place yeah and the time is never and the place <laughs> is not on my chips baby <laughs> <laughs> no uh not on chips i'm a ketchup and mustard man on chips so yes uh the new fantastic beast came out <laughs> harry, harry and potter. we we're thought about harry potter. well we're not talking about harry potter <laughs> we're talking about fantastic beasts and uh, where to find them and Fantastic <laughs> Beasts and the crimes of, well, just the crimes of Grindelwald. It's not even Fantastic Beasts and, it's just Fantastic Beasts, the crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, there's a big old colon there. Mm-hmm. Speaking, of, uh, speaking of brown sauce. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you, you beat me. Yes. Um, okay, so what I figured we'd do, so um, just as a bit of a... Let's start at the end kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we both walked out of Fantastic Beasts, the second one, Crimes. so I'm just going to say Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. We both walked out of that with some pretty mixed feelings. It's been getting not fantastic reviews. And I think I wanted to, it made me want to go back because I, I had only watched the first one when it first came out. So it made me want to go back and like cover what actually happened in the first one. Um, and give myself a little refresher. And I realized that the plot of both of these films is intensely complicated. I really liked the first one. I thought the first one was great. I do as well. I thought the first one was really refreshing and I liked it because it was noticeably different in setting and tone and kind of in plot structure to all all the other Harry Potter movies. So it was like an interesting, different way of exposing yourself to this Harry Potter universe. I think that was very intentional. So we'll (laughs) start... Judging of the second one, maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe it was a fucking fluke. I think it was. (laughs) Uh, I got some, some thoughts on that, but we'll get to that later. So yeah. what we're going to do is for those of you, this will be an episode hopefully friendly for those who have and haven't seen the first Fantastic Beasts. Because what I'll do is I'll go through and, and just cover the plot of the first one, and then we'll talk about like how that might be a bit different to its sequel, sure. Crimes of Grindelwald. So I'm going to dive right into it with a little a little summary of the first one. Let's do it. So in 1926, a British wizard and zoologist, magical zoologist, or <laughs> Magizoologist Newt Scamander. That's the actual word for it, by the way. I wasn't just it sounds like, like you were struggling just to invent up. a spoonism <laughs> or portmanteau. Is it not written down in front of you? No, no, but oh, it was right. used in its that's canon. Um, <laughs> so Newt Scamander, uh, played by Eddie Redmayne, arrives in New York. Um, on his way in, he encounters Mary Lou Barebone, uh, who's a nomadge. Uh, and she is basically proclaiming uh, hyper-religious stuff in the streets. So while he's listening to her, a niffler, which is basically an echidna cross with a platypus that hoards shiny things, uh, jumps out of his bag and runs off. Yeah. He chases the niffler into a bank where he meets another nomadge, which is 
a human who doesn't have any magical ability. Yeah. Uh, named Jacob Kowalski. Um, Jacob is kind of a funny guy with like curly hair and a mustache. He's a bit pudgy. So he tells Newt that he works in a cannery, uh, but he has dreams of one day being. No, no, you misheard. He works in a canary. <laughs> 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 but he's got dreams of one day being a baker, and that's why he's applying for a bank loan. I want another shot at that. He works in a coal mine. He is a canary. <laughs> boom! Boom, boom, boom! Yeah, he nailed it that second time around after some, <laughs> some workshopping. Uh, so, unwittingly, the two kind of mix up their suitcases, and then after splitting up, Newt gets arrested by an aura who we meet named Tina Goldstein. Um, she arrests him for the chaos that's caused by the Niffler. So she takes him back to the Magical Congress of the USA, uh, hoping to kind of restore some of her former dignity, I suppose, because she was recently demoted. Did we say it's in the set in the 20s? 26. Right, yeah. Yeah. So when they open the suitcase and baked goods fall out, they realize that the suitcases have been mixed up. And so his suitcase with all the magical goodies is in the hands of Jacob, who, meanwhile, we see open his suitcase and a bunch of nifflers and other creatures blow out of it and escape and start wreaking havoc around his apartment. Hell yeah. Um, so Tina and Newt find Jacob, and then the three of them head to Tina's apartment where they meet Queenie, who's Tina's sister. So those are the four yeah. kind of core characters in this in this thing. And already the setup for this movie <laughs> kind of sounds like um, you ever play a video game where it just has to set up the fact that there are a fuckload of collectibles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it always has to go with the most bullshit pretense about, like, like I think in the new Spider-Man game, um, you find this backpack, like, yeah. webbed to and a wall, like- and he's like, oh, I must have webbed this to a wall and forgotten about it. There's probably loads of these things. And you look out in the map, and it's like 200. 200 backpacks like this dude like, really through got tr- 200 things? 200 backpacks <laughs> in, during his time in high school this felt like the same thing like it was gonna pop up the public mm, Newt all of your animals have escaped better go round them up yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, the whole yeah. fucking yeah. game well that is actually kind of the start of the yeah. the, the plot of the film so um, yeah I, I didn't mind that as well I thought yeah it's a good device yeah so Queenie and Jacob are like infatuated immediately and it's revealed that American wizards are forbidden to marry or associate with nomadges yeah so that's a law in American wizarding which is obviously by the time Harry Potter rolls around the Harry Potter films no yeah. longer in existence and so I think we may breathe past, breeze past it because it might be obvious in the Harry Potter universe but obviously the wizarding world is trying to keep themselves very much secret from yes. the non-wizarding world which is why it's such a big deal that um, Newt has accidentally let these magical creatures out and why the yeah. Niffler thing at the bank was such a big deal because like non-magical people saw these crazy magical it's like creatures. It's the, 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 the cardinal sin is yeah. like revealing yourself And then to... it becomes this whole fucking thing um, to like go back and blow people's, <laughs> like uh, delete their memories and all like that. Like MIB, the little yeah. MIB flash them. Um, so Newt takes Jacob inside his like TARDIS style suitcase where... Yeah. Um, they encounter a contained Obscurus, which looks like an inky black floating cloud. Um, it's a magical parasite that's created when magically gifted children have their powers yeah. forcefully repossessed. And that's one of the coolest things I thought about the first one is where you get this sort of... Because J.K. Rowling wrote this, mm. and so you get a real sort of window... She wrote both in, of them. Yeah, yeah. So you, you get this window into like her imagination and like her building more stuff in this world mm. and like you see this whole other you know you see you see the American wizarding world that we've never seen before you see the wizarding world in the 20s so you see like all these other like bits of magical technology to, for one of a better phrase yeah. like you see his like amazing little suitcase thing that's this whole fucking world yeah. inside his suitcase that he steps into which is cool you see all these different creatures which is really this, great um, this movie might have been I remember when I was in like primary school 
Yeah. Um, there was a book in the library that was like a book of Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. From the Harry Potter universe. Yeah. I mean, and it was like it on a the big shelf here somewhere. picture book. Right. Um, and I'm pretty sure that that's where this script actually came from. So clearly she just had a bunch of kind of ideas lying around that she'd come up with mm. during over the course of writing the, the, the rest of the books in well, the series. And she thought, well, I can, you know, these yeah. are, this is, there's enough of these here that I can try and string something together. Well, yeah. I th- so I think the vague premise behind it was in Harry Potter's time, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is a textbook that, that he's he given lots. in his like creatures class. Yeah. And it's written by this dude, Newt Scamander, I guess, around the events of these movies. Yeah. And so in the events of these movies, he's sort of traveling the world and discovering these creatures. And no one really gives a fuck about these creatures. Mm. You know, in the same way as I imagine David Attenborough might have been this amazing guy for like animal presenting type stuff. No one yeah. gives a fuck about these magical creatures. No one really knows what half of them even are. And so he's this sort of genius he's dedicating kind of guy his life to... Yeah. yeah. So um, the Obscurus that they see is like a, a magical parasite. So it's this weird... You said this weird... Floating black, black inky cloud, cloud thing, thing, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's contained in, in in a special bubble in the suitcase. It's a really cool scene, actually, because yeah. this Obscurus is a uh, black cloud, and where they are in Newt's suitcase, is, it's got, like, different environments in it, yeah. and they're in, like, this uh, snow tundra. So it's all really white, and then it's just the three of, those, the, the three of them, two wizards and, or, yeah. you know, Jacob and Newt and the... Um, Obscurus, and it's a really cool looking scene. Just on that, one thing I really like about the way his suitcase is all set up is like, <laughs> it's not because he's got natural habitats set up for the animals in his suit. Mm. His suit, the world inside his suitcase, is like as big as a zoo. And it basically so is a it zoo is a for zoo, magical creatures, um, yeah, where he keeps them. But like, it's not like he has this a magical forest set up in the middle of nowhere. Like he'll have a tree and then like a diorama, three oil-painted walls that have Around it, the backdrop yeah. of a forest painted on. But then it's like those magical paintings you see in Harry Potter where everything's kind of moving. moving yeah. And they're all sort of held up with ropes and bits of plywood at the back of them. So it kind of looks shitty and kind of like a theatre. Well, it looks like he's made it, it because like he's he probably done it himself. has. Yeah. But I, just, <laughs> I like the idea that it could have been every little world is an actual forest in an actual little snowy mountain range but it's not it's like he's actually had to do it himself yeah 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 <laughs> yeah it's very cool yeah um so yeah an obscurus is this magical parasite that's created when uh gifted children magically gifted children have their magical powers kind of forcefully repressed which is another thing that we didn't really come across in the harry potter universe is like no so harry potter is a child with extremely strong magical ability that was kind of forcefully repressed until he started um, interacting with the snake and yeah. then eventually had the whole thing happen. And that was one thing I was um, never quite clear about with this fucking black thing was why it's the first time. Like, is it because in this case, this one kid's power was so repressed that it manifested into this thing? So one thing I'm not clear about is, yeah, is it an external life form that yeah. parasitically kind of inhabits those those people or is it created by that process? So the point is it, it lives in them as a host and I guess that's yeah. what really the bottom line. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that like she's actually approaching... Um, an alternative future of what could have happened to Harry Potter if Hogwarts yeah. didn't intervene. Well, she right? she loves fucking doing that, like, about, like, <laughs> retconning shit into her own books. Oh, uh, yeah. And so I imagine she could be like, oh, Harry Potter, he, his rage and the things that happened when he was living on, like, Privet Drive, where he'd sort of hear burst, they're, like, mild forms of this Obscurus. Yeah, I mean, a real Obscurus might have manifested itself in Harry had they not... I think Ugh. that was his... Those were his abilities. Like, I mean, you could retcon it by saying stuff like, um, you know, the fact that his hair always grew back to normal was, like, <laughs> his his magical ability kind of pushing its way out. And it didn't have... To, I think the point was that there was no Obscurus there, but that if things had kept, kept going and gotten worse, that one might yeah. have formed or whatever. 
So, um, there was, uh, th- this one was removed from a girl who died, and apparently one of them says, or Newt says, that infected wizards rarely live past 10, which is a yeah. core plot device. So, Newt persuades Jacob to help search and find the missing beasts. They find, like, two-thirds of them, so they're running around New York chasing these things down. Yeah. And then Tina, like, kind of magics them back to Magical Congress, where she presents a suitcase, um before them and particularly before the junior director of magical security Percival Graves who's played by Colin Farrell yeah so Graves orders the three of them arrested immediately and charged with the murder of an American senator uh, which he implies was carried out by the third of Newt's beasts right. or like the other part or whatever so, so Tina is trying to like redeem herself in the eyes of her employer who she's been disgraced by yeah. by rounding up Newt and fucking Kowalski I yeah. mean, look I caught them aren't I good but she's she's saying that this was the work of like this was just a mistake like yeah. look I've solved it it's all good we fixed it we've rounded them up and I've the director's the like I've, and, I see a bigger conspiracy and yeah. kind of frames them or blames them for this accident that Percival Graves so he, he yeah. yeah he orders um, he implies that uh, Newt did it on purpose in conspiracy with an infamous uh infamous dark <laughs> wizard Gellert Grindelwald who's played by Johnny Depp um, <laughs> spoiler alert no we see him don't we at that stage <laughs> at the very very okay, end but whatever that yeah. Out. Um, so yeah in, in a conspiracy with a famous or an infamous dark wizard Gellert Grindelwald yeah so Grave says alright we're gonna destroy that suitcase and all of the creatures in it we're gonna erase Jacob's memory and then he in secret sentences Newt and Tina both to death um, which doesn't seem like a particularly fair or uh, metered thing the to do the execution scene was fucking yeah, cool yeah they're kind of like well. melting into the These big mirrored wave things and yeah. the, oh, man. it's like black ooze that they're yeah. being sucked into and like it starts absorbing the chair underneath them and stuff is real messed up there's a bunch of scenes in this like the one with the obscurus in the snow um that are just like really uh imaginative well shot um yeah kind of scenes but, i guess and really interesting with the world building as well, I think pieces. Is the yeah exactly bit. like where you sort of it's it's not a question that you'd ever <laughs> like it kind of reminds me of the the star wars thing where like all the spin-offs they're doing are like the most obvious fucking shit ever like oh how about we do a, a boba fett spin-off and yeah how about we do a han solo spin-off it's like right well that might be the first question that everyone's asking but it makes it then the least interesting spin-off movie to find to do. out the answer to yeah yeah um, whereas these it's all like it's really great shit that you never even knew you wanted to know it's a, yeah i mean even in the harry potter universe it's like a tiny character that's barely referenced but she's gotten this, yeah she, this it's, whole it's this world in, out of it which makes a really effective world building because all of a sudden you can see all the connections between what's going on in these films and the yeah. the, the, the wizarding and universe later she's yeah. such a i mean screenwriting whatever but like at her books it just it just reminds me how great she is as a writer mm. Mm. And how fantastic she is at all this world building stuff, just coming out with all this amazing stuff that sounds yeah. so natural and fits in so perfectly with everything. Yeah, I don't know if she's a, an excellent writer. She got a lot better as the books went on, but her world building is is yeah. fantastic. You can't. Uh, people have criticized her writing, but the yeah the 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 imagination yeah. of that woman is is um, incredible. One of the most amazing, um, certainly. So. They're uh, basically in mortal peril, and Queenie Fuck rocks yeah. up to the uh, Congress and ends up kind of tricking her way in and, and rescues them, and she retrieves a suitcase as well. So She's uh, got this weird mind-reedy power. That's right. She's a psychic. Yeah. yeah. And she can kind of... I think she can kind of influence people a bit. Right. Um, and she's got this mind-reedy thing. Mm. 
Yeah. So she she mind reads her way in, <laughs> and then uh, they all escape and they go about like retrieving the last of the beasts because yeah. that's what they I don't know I guess they just kind of um, f- well, don't you- don't really think about. Well, I I feel like because again I don't remember exactly from from the first one, sure. but I feel like um, when they get out, they just want to go and find like Newt's just kind of focused on finding the beasts. Yeah, because I think um, he's worried about the well being of the beasts, and he's also worried about the whole secrecy of the Wizarding mm-hmm. World thing. Because I think you know one of the beasts that's the very last ones to catch is this giant fucking Griffin. Yeah, thing. right. And I guess it and becomes because I was wondering Griffin. I was wondering why Tina wouldn't Lucy be it, yeah. angry at like uh, the the dude who sentenced him to death, but because it was in secret. Um, yeah. But I guess if, if her top priority is also to undo that damage and go out into the world and try and fix that problem, then yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So anyway, they run out and do that. Um, and now you remember the evangelist from the start, Mary Lou Barebone? The, the one that distributes religious material in the streets yes. and absolutely nothing in the sheets. Yeah. Nice. Boom. Uh, we now see her son, Credence, who's played by literal Adonis and uh, Crown, <laughs> Crown Prince of my boner, Ezra Miller. <laughs> With uh, the world's most atrocious bowl cut. Who's, uh, yeah, they really, <laughs> they really fucked him up on that. Yeah. Um, handing out uh, evangelist pamphlets. Um, and I guess you can read anti magic into that. They are anti magic pamphlets. But they're not supposed to know. So I guess they just come across as conspiracy theorists, right? Yeah. yeah okay. So they're anti magic pamphlets. Um, so Graves approaches him, Colin, that's Colin Farrell's character, yeah. approaches him, offering to free him from his oppressive mother in exchange for helping him to find this uh, lost Obscurus, um, which is not the one, I don't think, from Newt's suitcase. You're right. The Obscurus in his briefcase is like an introduction to the idea of an Obscurus. And then this other one is just this on the This other loose. one is this fucking giant Obscurus. Yeah. Yeah. And they're so, like, oh, I've never seen one that big before. Yeah. Because so, the one in his briefcase was taken from some nine-year-old kid or something. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And she died. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. Graves approaches Credence and he says, help me find this um, this magical parasite and I will uh, give you a better life, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, Graves, yeah, he just ordered... So, keep in mind at this point that Graves has already ordered multiple people dead for allegedly committing this crime. Yeah. So, he thinks, you know, from his perspective, he solved it, but he's now out looking for the actual thing that he thinks did it, so that's kind of suspicious, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and, so, and so, throughout the first film, you're like, what the fuck is Colin Farrell doing? The yeah, stuff that he's, he's doing in the name of the law is clearly a bit bent. Yeah. yeah. So, Credence then finds a wand under his bed... Uh, or his his sorry, he finds it under his adopted sister Modesty's bed. Yeah. So um, his mother believes the one to be Credence's, but then Modesty steps up and admits it's hers. I don't know where it came from. Um, I don't, I don't, I know, don't if you know that. So um, Graves then. Uh, so sorry, Modesty's about to be punished by Mary Lou, and then an Obscurus appears and kills both of them. So yeah. it kills Modesty and Mary Lou, and then Graves rocks up. And he thinks that Modesty must have been the powerful host of the Obscurus, right? Because she's this um, little, like, eight-year-old kid or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and no one's ever lived past ten that has one. Yeah. So, he dismisses Credence, thinking that he must be a squib, which is a wizard-born child without any magical ability. Um, and they're generally spurned by the wizarding world. Yeah. So, um, 
immediately afterwards, Credence reveals he's actually the host and he's lived longer than any other Obscurus due to the intensity of his magical power. So that's why it's supposed to, yeah, that's why he thought it was the young girl, but then uh, and like it couldn't have been Credence because he was like older than, than yeah. anyone else. So fit of rage, Credence explosively transforms into the Obscurus and starts like flying through the city, Avengers yeah. style, just like blowing buildings up like and He expands shit. into this giant black cloud that Huge. like tears apart buildings in giant explosions and shit. Yeah, it looks yeah. like um, it's not like one orb anymore. It's like a cloud of whipping particles yeah. and stuff. It looks yeah. really cool. Um, so, yeah, he disappears and then they chase after him. All of them do. Um, I think they see what the damage is and go to investigate the other group. Yeah. Um, so, Newt finds him, uh, Credence, hiding in the subway. Um, and he tries to subdue him, but uh, Graves has followed them both in attacks. And so now Newt is interested in this kid because he harbors this creature. Yeah, and he sees him kind of like come down. So the Obscurus is sort of sitting against the wall of the subway and Newt kind of talks him down to Credence form. Tina shows up, turns out she knows Credence, um, and then uh, she and Graves try to fight for... Uh, Credence's attention and he's just beginning to kind of calm down and I think Tina's starting to win him over and then Auras show up from the Congress and start just like light ray wand machine gunning him to death (laughs) and so they like actually blow him up. It's it's interesting that in this 20s version of Harry Potter, no one ever says any spells. They just sort of wave the one and go... Tsh. Yeah. Well, I think um, you're, you're <laughs> dealing with a lot... Because in the old one, or in the Harry Potter movies, you're dealing with mostly students, yeah. right? Who are still learning how to use their ability. But as you would remember from the books, as you get more proficient at casting sort of magical spells, you yeah. can just do it. Yeah. So I think what the difference is that like these are experienced, established yeah. wizards. Yeah. Whereas it's cool... Um, but I, I think the difference is just experience. Yeah, and I think I think it's interesting that there's a whole bunch of stuff in these movies that are like required knowledge from eight movies of the Harry Potter yeah, shit yeah, yeah. that like maybe we don't really realize is a uh, required knowledge or assumed knowledge. I mean, like the the apparating thing, yeah, where they just teleport places. You're like, what the how the fuck are these dudes teleporting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was introduced like four films ago, and. Yeah, just over time, little things like that drop out. And we're like, oh, of course everyone knows what apparating is. Like, no, that was the thing made up in a book that came out 15 years yeah, ago exactly. that everyone just knows about. Yeah. <laughs> so, a small, a small fragment of the Obscurus, like, what kind of, like, wafts out of the subway, um, which will come back later. Uh, Hell yeah. Graves then admits to being, like, a magical zealot, basically, and to, like, unleashing the Obscurus and framing Newt in order to try and expose the magical world to the world of the Nomadges. Yeah. Um, and he accuses Congress of, like, protecting Nomad interests more than those of the Wizarding Worlds. Um, it's a pretty classic villainous motive, I think. Yeah. So he attacks the Auras, and he's actually, like, cleaning them the fuck up. He's, like... He kills like five of them, and they're just standing there trying to trying to hit him, but none of their spells are getting through. Um, and <laughs> like them Newt, ex- yeah, but <laughs> except they're hitting him, they're bouncing off this like yeah. reflective shield, which he's got to be a pretty strong wizard to be able to do that and like yeah. kill four of the like these magic. Agents. And also, we thought he was the good guy. The whole he's yeah, like so it's pretty strange that all of a he's sudden a member he's of the government around. gunning around yeah. other members of the government. Yeah, exactly. So um, then Newt manages to like subdue him um, by kind of like cooperating with one of his little beasts, <laughs> um, and he kind of ties him up. And then uh, it's revealed in that process that Graves is actually the Dark Wizard, uh, Gellert Grindelwald. Colin Farrell by was Johnny Depp Johnny the whole Depp. time. Yeah. So what yeah. a what a <laughs> twist. 
Um, and so that's pretty much where that movie ends, right? The auras apprehend him. Yeah, basically, um, it ends with Newt uh, using a Thunderbird, which is like, think Zapdos, but like a giant eagle. <laughs> um, and he delivers this memory-raising potion into a storm over New York, which yeah. like pacifies and erases all of the New Yorkers while the wizards go about repairing all of the damage done by the Obscurus. And so, so this is really emotional scene at the end, which I thought was cool as well. So yeah. Kowalski, the muggle, nomad guy, the whole time has been like amazed and he's been falling in love with this wizard lady and he's like around every time like oh my god all this wizarding shit I had no idea about and at the very end he like they're all standing undercover at the entrance to the subway and Kowalski like walks down into the the like memory erasing yeah, yeah. rain knowing what'll like, happen shakes himself awake and has forgotten everything and just walks straight past him and walks away well and, and he's like forgotten and everything. in that scene so Queenie goes up and kisses him yeah and so they're both going to lose their memories of what's happened basically I suppose so I thought um yeah, okay. nah, yeah. it's it's everyone that's in it. So Queenie yeah. goes up and she kisses him as well. Um, I think, or maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, Jacob's definitely getting his memory erased, and Queenie kisses him as it's happening. Yeah. So Newt leaves for London. Um, is a bit of a tearful farewell to Tina because he kind of like clearly has sort of has feelings for her, but um, is it's like a, you've got to do your of, thing. I've got to do exactly. my thing. But you live in it's America. You're an aura. Yeah. I'm in. I'm a yeah. Um, a textbook writer. <laughs> so uh, he leaves Jacob, we find out, with a suitcase full of silver eggs in order to fund his bakery. Yeah. Um, now, keep in mind, Jacob's had his memory erased, so he just magically kind of like finds this suitcase full of shit that he can sell. And that's that's the end of the first movie. Yeah, well, n- there's one stinger. So Jacob's <laughs> baked products all resemble Newt's beasts. Yeah. So clearly, there's like some subconscious part of his memory that hasn't thing. been erased. Yeah. And the very last scene in the film is Queenie showing up to visit Jacob in his shop. Yeah. So... It's pretty clearly establishing, like, oh, this memory racing thing didn't quite work. These guys are going to have a little happy, yeah, happily have ever after yeah. ending, right? Yeah, great. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> with that, I want to talk about um, three things that I think make, made this movie really excellent for me. Because yeah. I really, really liked this film. I think I it's one it of was... my... The first Fantastic Beast is one of my favorite Harry Potter movies, I think. Absolutely. It might always be agree. my favorite yeah, one. Yeah, I would agree. It's certainly more... Uh, it stands out more than I think any individual Harry Potter film. Yeah, you know some of the bits are really dark, like that, like mem- that, like uh, torture uh, execution scene yeah. is one of the darkest scenes in the whole yeah, film. Definitely. And then there's lots of set, sort of moments that give you that sense of wonder I was talking about before that are really great. Yeah, I think a lot of those moments uh, that that's the first thing I was going to mention uh, are due to everyone's performance, but especially uh, to Jacob's performance as like the comedic relief character. Oh, he's great. Yeah. I think he's just absolutely fantastic. Um, played by Dan Fogler. Um, he just does a really fantastic job. Yeah, he's um, great. But really, everybody does. Yeah. Um, the, the the performances in this film are really great. Um, but I guess the second thing I was going to say is, is Eddie Redmayne's um, performance of Newt. Um, and I watched an excellent video essay on this called The Fantastic Masculinity of Newt Scamander. Hell yeah. Um, by Jonathan McIntosh on the channel Pop Culture Detective, if you want to check it out. It was very good. <laughs> but he talks about why Newt is such a compelling character. And it's because he's really quiet and confident. And he's detailed largely through his empathy rather than through any of the normal shit that conventional masculine protagonists would be defined by, right? Yeah. Um, especially his disability to form these connections with these magical creatures, Yeah. Um, so he's yeah. like a student of Hogwarts, but um, he's from Hufflepuff, not Gryffindor. So they don't have that same. So he's a fucking loser. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that the <laughs> like the words from um, the words from Hufflepuff are like modest and hardworking or something like that. It's you know it's Somewhere. very very clearly just like this 
kind of. <laughs> well, I think the original sorting hat, sorting hat. This is the nerdiest thing I've ever said, but I think the original sorting hat rhyme, the song that he sings, um, it's like, oh, and Helga Hufflepuff says, "I'll take the rest and I'll make do" or whatever. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, something like that, right? Hufflepuff is just a fucking remainder. Yeah, it it is, but they don't. They also don't. They understand the value of that and are fine. To, to just quietly go about their business, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, that's a strange decision, I think, the more you consider it for a protagonist. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, his goal is, like, to write textbooks. You know, that's his overwhelming motive um, at, it, throughout this whole film. And yeah. uh, and he, he does, he's not, like, this super wizard. He's not a chosen one, like Neo or, or Harry Potter he's or He's just this, like, academic dude. He's like a magical David Attenborough. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, um, to the point where even... Uh, at the end of the film, it's framed as like this tragedy rather yeah. than a victory because they couldn't save the the host or really the parasite at the end, you know. And they were so close to doing that, and that's what he really would even have, though he got all his creatures back. And yeah, that yeah. you know, in a normal film, maybe it would have um, kind of celebrated the destruction of the beast as it often does. But this yeah. was like, no, I wanted to. I I understand that the beast has this place. And I want to help it, help the people that it's affecting. And, and yeah, so I guess in one sentence, I think one of the things that makes this so different is that Newt is not Harry Potter. He's he's very, 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 very different yeah. to a Harry Potter character. <laughs> I saw something on the internet recently that was pointing out that Harry Potter is just a big dumb jock. Yeah, he really he's is. Like, yeah, he's, he was. He's, he's just some, on camera a lot. He was like some dude who got into school because his parents were rich and famous. <laughs> who yeah, was like a, a sports star who then grew up to be a cop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, the last thing that I think like makes this really different is is the Fantastic Beasts, and like they're kind of the the linchpins of Newt's journey around yeah. the place. They're also. Um, the reason, you know, they define his motive and, and um, a lot of his characterization. Um, and I guess, like, I really valued that this wasn't just a normal narrative arc of one of these kind of Harry Potter films. Yeah. It was really... Like, most of the film was just going around with the beast. So most of the film was just exploring this world. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. there was no specific... Like he only really got wrapped up with this plot with like this kid and Grindelwald and all that towards the very very end of the movie. Incidentally, exactly, yeah, yeah. most of the film was this like tour of nineteen twenties magical New York, exactly, and world building. Kowalski was like surprised at every turn, and so were we, and we all sort of yeah. along for the ride. Yeah, and so it was kind of just like accidental that he kind of got wrapped up in this big like international scandal thing. Yeah, exactly. So like, because it's not really not, not what he's trying to do. Like in contrast no, to what Harry Potter, he just does, wants to write the textbooks. Harry books. Potter is like, oh yeah, what well, I think. I don't know whether he's like. I think he may have already written the book. I don't know, but I no, think, he's in the process of writing it. You yeah, see right. him sketching stuff out. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just wants he's to like, researching and like care about these animals and that. Yeah, and yeah. I think another thing he wants to do is to be able to make other people care about him, care yeah. about the animals in the same way that he does. Exactly. Right. It's just he's basically purely empathetic, productive, like pro-social. Um, you know, he's progressive in a lot of his beliefs in in humans, and I think that relates to. Um, the way that he interacts with a lot of the humans and 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 wizards around him. So yeah, and I guess like to I know I've been monologuing a lot, yeah, but yeah, to good. like to finish off the commentary on that, I think that one of the reasons why this movie is completely let down by its sequel yeah. is because the sequel makes such a strong departure from all of the things that made this first one really excellent. Yeah, I totally agree. Like it's his Newt's empathetic like kind of strength is flattened immediately in one line in the second one with his brother where he says like I don't take sides and it's like that that is all 
That's the entire ideology of the first one in like the most two-dimensional superficial bullshit. Um, it's like sums yeah. up all of his empathetic strength into like instead being just like a non-partisan. Empathy. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's weak shit. And Especially considering like I don't remember exactly what the ethical dilemma was that Neat was being presented in that moment. They want him to like, work in the government. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And so obviously he did not want to for, yeah. a, for a very strong ethical reason. I don't remember exactly what it was, whatever it was. And he was like, oh, no, don't, no, no. Um, mm. Newt in the first one, the, the Newt Scamander of the first movie, I think would have taken a bit more of a stand against that and sort of explained why it is that he wasn't like yeah. interested in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't absolutely. really notice much of a change in character in the second one, but I suppose I wasn't really looking for it. I, I suppose think, you're probably right. I don't think Newt was as much of a character in the second one. No, it wasn't even... So, going towards the second one, and um, uh, I don't think we... It's such a new movie and I, such a long, complicated, fucking nothing movie. I don't think it's worth yeah. explaining the whole So, that was another thing. No, I, I wasn't going to bother doing that, yeah. but I just wanted people to know... Because, um, A, you kind of need all of the plot of the yeah. first one to understand the plot of the second one. Because the, the second first one, one launches in without explaining anything. any of... We, so, we went to see the, the second one with a friend of ours who hadn't seen uh, the, first the first one. one, friend of the show, Mary. And I sort of turned her, like, after the movie, be like, dude, I have no idea what's going on. You must be fucking lost. She's like, yeah, man, what the fuck is yeah, going on? I had seen the first one as well, and I was exactly the same <laughs> yeah. as you. Okay, so I think we'll just straight up spoil the second one yeah because like we can't really talk about any part of this movie in isolation couldn't anyway because the plot yeah. is so fucking incoherent if you want to see it go see it go but, see it I, uh, oh, it's yeah. not really worth your time just watch the first one again <laughs> kind instead of, kind of fuck this movie maybe the third one's gonna be good um, I doubt it I reckon they might dump Eddie Redman oh, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah yeah we can go on to that <laughs> later but I had no idea no idea what was going on. And the plot of this movie was fucking terrible. Yeah. It was twisted immediately. So one of the things that really made me angry was it immediately undoes a lot of shit that happens in the first one. So the first scene yeah. of this new one, A, Grindelwald escapes. So all of the, like, the conclusion to the first movie... Where they catch him. Where they catch him and arrest him and lock him in Aura prison is undone just because... They needed him to be there in the second one. Yeah. Not for any really good well, reason. I didn't mind. I see what you're saying. Like, what's the point in showing us capturing him if he's going to escape, if he needs to be loose for the second Yeah, he could have just escaped. I didn't mind the escape scene, if only because it showed you how wily he was and how clever he was and how good at magic and how tricky he was. It was literally Polyjuice Potion, though. It wasn't, though. I think he, he could, like, change himself at, like, at will and all that. I thought it was Polyjuice Potion. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those like Harry Potter things where she can be like, oh, no, he's just good. And so he changes himself. Yeah, so um, I just don't buy that. I think that's like, yeah. you know, she's so strong at world building that when this... And it, what's weird is she wrote both these scripts. Yeah, the first so, one was like, great. The first one was so fantastic. I feel like there must have been some real strong like executive producers coming in and like pushing this around Maybe. a lot. Because it was so fucking weird. And so the second film is basically, it follows the same kind of through line that the first one ended off with where there's this fucking uh, Credence kid who has the Obscurus powers. Yes, it turns out also that's the other thing they undo. He doesn't die. You know, they just, again, he could have escaped. Didn't we watch him die? No, because that's what the piece of the Obscurus escaping was. Right, okay. Why do it then? The kid that died at the end of the first one wasn't actually dead and now everyone's chasing after him. The second thing is that Kowalski, Kowalski, who lost his memory completely, is now totally back to normal and fine. And they don't explain Um, that at all. Like, obviously, in the first one, they signposted by 
Um, the you know ba- he, he the seems bakery to and he, he yeah. recognizes Queenie in the back of his head. Yeah. Although that is attributable just to him being attracted again. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, like it's they just there's so much unexplained returning back, or like well, doubling back on the like plot of the first they one. Really needed to make a sequel work. Yeah, but this is a five yeah. film franchise. Do you know that? Fuck. Yeah, this is this, that was this, we just watched the second of five. Well, yeah, I suppose I knew that there was going to be a third one coming because I thought that this second film was going to show us Dumbledore and Grindelwald having their famous fight. Nope, and it didn't. Nope, it was two hours of like cock tease, the shit that never happened. Yeah. Um. So what I was getting on saying before though was that it wasn't entirely clear why Newt was really involved at all this time. Because the whole film is Grindelwald trying to get Credence because Credence yeah. has some sort of very strong power that Grindelwald he wants to recruit he can... powerful wizards. Yeah, exactly right. So he's trying to recruit Credence. He sees some sort of unique power in yeah. Credence that he hasn't quite made clear, and he knows. And it's kind of like a, a, the mystery point of the movie is like, oh, why does he give, give a fuck about Credence? Um, and then Newt, for whatever reason, is suddenly taking orders from Albus Dumbledore. And Albus Dumbledore is like, oh, you should go to this city over here and um, find this kid or whatever. Yeah. I don't even quite remember if he says that. He just sort of... People basically dump it on him. He becomes the chosen one in this movie because they they say like, oh, Dumbledore, it should be Dumbledore, but he can't do it. So it has to be you. Like, why does it have to be him? The point is that he's, he's not like, strong. He's like zoologist academic dude who just keeps creatures. And Albert Dumb- Albus Dumbledore's like, you want to go take on the most powerful wizard of the yeah. world? Because I, I made a promise that I wouldn't. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so it's not entirely clear why Eddie Redmayne's, uh, why Newt's even really doing what he's being asked to do. No. Um, and then why, because in the first one, it was sort of so clear that he was kind of accidentally caught up in all this shit and his actual pursuit and interest was these creatures. Textbooks. In this second one, the creatures are barely in it at all. Yep. Yeah. Um, it undoes all of the... Yeah, none of the actions that Newt takes in this whole movie have anything to do with the creatures, really. It's just um, him chasing down... Credence and chasing, doing whatever the fuck Dumbledore tells him. Well, the creatures are in it, right? But and this is what I think is the worst thing. So in they've clearly they clearly wanted to make another Harry Potter movie, and that's what this one was, right? This felt like a Harry Potter plot. Newt exactly. They crushed Newt into the role of a Harry Potter, an actual Harry Potter character, right? Like if Newt had been, if this was set in the nineties and Newt was just Harry Potter, this could have been book five and a half. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that really made me. kind of sad that about the insane way of saying that but i feel like it was clear right? yeah no yeah. it was fine <laughs> so the thing that made me really sad about this movie is that in the second one the animals are literally just used uh, the creatures are literally just used as tools and like gags and yeah exactly they're, they're instrumental and, yeah. and, and not in an important way right yeah which is exactly what newt from the first movie was trying to fight against by making yeah. people give a shit about these creatures for what they were, which was other life forms, right? But in this second one, they are only useful when they can advance the plot in some way or perform like some like narrative function. Thing, like picks, picks a, lock a lock at some point, and like the Niffler thing, like steals this the vial with thing. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like. In the first movie, Newt's whole thing was, yeah. I want to make people care about these beasts. I care about them deeply, and I want yeah. that to spread. And he still and shows in the himself, second one, he still cares about the, the the creatures in the second movie, but it's like the filmmakers themselves show don't give him enough time. Exactly. Or 
the creatures in the film. Yeah, and it, it was just that was the 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 thing that made it really crystal clear to me that yeah. this what this shouldn't have been a Fantastic Beasts film. No, it should have been Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, which in which case it would have been. Fine. Fine, but they should have just... Uh, like, I like... I really like Newt Scamander yeah. as a character. I think Eddie Redmayne does really, really good work. They could have had a different character. They could have had Dumbledore and some other Hogwarts professor but younger do this. It could like, have been literally any character. Because that, that would have been interesting as well, right? In the same way as the first Fantasy Beasts film explores this whole world that was yep. hinted at. Maybe Professor McGonagall or Professor Trelawney or whatever the fuck other professors are in this young version, Some other all went out friend. and had to go out and do this together. Yeah. Um, like, there's a whole bunch of little side characters that are Dumbledore's friends um, from the other books that could have been used. Like, for example, you see a very... Uh, this was cool. You see a very young Professor McGonagall in the background in this Hogwarts scene in the 20s, which is yeah. cool. And you're like, oh, great. Um, <laughs> young Professor McGonagall, total hottie. Um, <laughs> but... Um, that, that might have been nice, for example. Like, if you're still like, okay, fine, for whatever reason, Dumbledore can't be involved with this. Yep. You still could have introduced another character which would have like, Harry Potter fans would have been interested to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would have been interested yeah. to see that. And I wouldn't have minded if you sold it to me under the premise of being another spin-off. And I would have been really cuz Jude Law plays a young Dumbledore and he's really yep. good. Yeah. But he was barely in it. Yeah. And I think that's probably setting up the fact that he's going to be in it, well, the third one a lot more. Yeah. But I would have been a lot more interested in seeing young Dumbledore get a lot more screen but time I'm because also- he's not a character we know very much about. No, he's notoriously mysterious, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, like I'm just bored of Harry Potter plot arcs, which is exactly what we've this movie had. Is boring. Fucking seven and it, eight of it them. It felt like the same plot arc as every other Harry Potter. Yeah, film. it's there's a dark wizard. You yeah. need to battle the dark wizard. Yeah. Oh look, some people died. Which is, I think, was fine. But after you've seen eight of those Harry Potter movies, and that story itself comes to an end. Yeah. If you then shoehorn that kind of story into a character's plot arc where that character has been established as sort of having nothing to do with that, it feels a bit forced. Not just having nothing to do with that, definitely having nothing to do with that, but also being interestingly completely the opposite of yeah. that type of character. Yeah. It's It just doesn't work. Nothing in this movie is satisfying yeah. or interesting or innovative. Yeah. When the first one really was. And I'm, yeah. again baffled by the fact that J.K. wrote both of these scripts. Yeah. And they were directed by the same dude as well, right? David he was the Yates, same yeah. guy, so David Yates. The last few, did the last, last four Harry Potter movies yeah. as well, yeah. And so it just feels like there were, the, you know, there were the same people working on this thing. From the first film, I believe, they had signed up to five. Yeah. And I just don't understand why they've made a bunch of the choices retrospectively that they have. I mean... To be fair, if J.K. Rowling says, I have five scripts, you could be like, great, I believe you. Because she yeah. apparently had a lot of the Harry Potter stuff mapped out pretty early on. So, I could very easily bank... I mean, there's some shit with Marvel where you're like, really, you've got fucking five Marvel movies? I suppose there's also lots of comic books you can base this on. My point is, I feel like J.K. Rowling has enough credibility as an author um, that she could be like, I have five ideas for stories. And they could be like, great, let's do it. Yeah, um, we trust you. I don't know what went wrong with this second one. She's also never written a screenplay before. So, I mean, it's but amazing that the first that she, that one was, was so good. Yeah. So, I don't know. It must have been studios fucking Yeah, I think that might be it. Because, like, she's not someone, you know, I feel like coming out of the gate with the first one, she mustn't have been that creatively dried up. Yeah. You know, like, she must have had kind of interesting ideas. Yeah. But if she did, and this really was just hers, well, you, yeah. f- you fucked it, JK. Like, and it also just felt like maybe this movie was necessary to set up stuff for the third and fourth one, maybe. But, like... It just felt like all this shit was happening and you weren't quite clear why and then almost like nothing was happening at the same time. Yeah, because like, it was so boring. Yeah, it was really boring. 
like and it wasn't like visually boring. There was always shit happening on screen. The pacing was uh, blitzingly fast at points. Like it yeah. was, it would skip. It would. It, it, there was so much direct exposition, and a character would basically just be like, "We have to go here and do this now," and then they yeah. would be there. Yeah. And then they would be like, great, now that we've done that, the next step is why. <laughs> and then they would go and do that. And it's like, oh, man, I just, yeah. none of this interests me. I have no... <laughs> I felt guilty dragging Meryl into the second one. We had to be like, the first one's really good. Trust us. We're not idiots for picking the Yeah, we them. didn't know, though. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. feel that, that, I guess one of the one of the really annoying parts of this is that if they were worried that it, it would... Or if if they wanted to kind of rest on the strength of the first one, yeah. any Harry Potter film is going to get a billion people in the cinemas. Yeah. They do not need the Fantastic Beasts branding yeah. on a Harry Potter movie in order to sell tickets. It could have been J.K. Rowling presents The Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, you use the name, use the font, literally the yeah. font, yeah. and I think it would all have been fine. But yeah. they just chose to make this part of the Fantastic Beasts thing, and it was yeah. really, really weird. It was just really weird that it was there the whole time. Like, yeah, <laughs> it didn't what make I any sense. Is I mean, see, it was cool to see New York. Was the second one based in New York? Uh, yeah. Oh, I you don't know, don't know the I answer know. to that question. Oh, no, it was Paris. Right? It was Paris and London. Right, but they didn't feel like anything. No, yeah. They didn't Whereas the at first all. one felt it had that really like New charming New York twenties vibe. They had a whole. It scene in Central Park they had all scenes yeah. in the subway it was great and part what of I, that was Jacob as well yeah exactly Kowalski. what I would have loved is maybe exactly the same plot as the first one but set somewhere else mm. you know set in like a, a 1920s like Eastern yeah Europe. maybe not the same plot but I get what you, you know mean, what I mean? Like, like exploring more of that idea going to find he yeah. might have been, maybe maybe Newt goes to like Southeast Asia or something mm. or maybe he goes to Japan or China and or, or the Himalayas and tracks down some some fucking beast I think the interesting thing are the beasts right yeah and there weren't any in this movie, really. Well, they, yeah, they, they were just uh, like it he, was the two most popular. The beasts were the two most popular ones from the first movie. Yeah, plus and a toolbox. Yeah, plus some extra ones when you go into his like briefcase 2.0 for like two minutes. It literally could have been a toolbox. That briefcase yeah. could have been the movie would have been the same if it had been a magic toolbox, <laughs> a magnet, and a tool pick. At a, yeah, at a literally, lock pick. yeah, yeah. That's what. That's as much depth as those creatures get. And yeah. then there's the other one that runs around that at some point they have to interact with. Oh, and he uses it to run fast because you can't apparate. Yeah, I don't remember you that. Fucking one. idiots. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I so lazy. Wasn't very impressed with the second film at all. Bullshit. Just a really. It was like you and know, it, it's getting like five out of tens, four out of tens. But, but like every Harry Potter film, I believe, in the time in my life when I watched it, was great. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed every single Harry Potter movie. Yep. I, I think, might not have enjoyed, like, the fifth or sixth one, but I generally agree. Yeah. I think that in the same way as, like, you th- th- watching this movie and it being shit was as disappointing to me as watching, like, my first Pixar movie that wasn't a 10 out of 10. Like, you're like... Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> like, I just assumed that these would always be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of understand why Marvel fans keep going back now. Because like I would go and see another Fantastic Beasts film, yeah. but now it just I I I have no guarantee. <laughs> the trust has been broken. It has. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. has. But I but I want more. I'm yeah. not. I'm. Uh, it was. You know. I I I did actually pretty strongly, in hindsight, really enjoy the first one. The first one's like my favorite Harry Potter movie. I think. 
Yeah, I don't think... I, I was going to say I invested in it, but I don't think I did because I didn't really remember it too well. Yeah. Um, but, like, I really enjoyed it, and I was more than happy to go and experience more of that. Yeah. And I didn't get any more of that. You I didn't got, at all. You got, like, the old ones again. Just dust. It wasn't even clear just it was cinema <laughs> dust. Yeah. Exactly. It could have been set any time. And I know magic has that timeless thing, but part of, part of the charm... And actually, I was reading a reviewer that said this, right? Part of the charm of J.K. Rowling's creation yeah. is that is this idea that magic is real and just hidden among us and that only a select few people can experience this magic world right. and that you are allowed to be one of those people. This yeah. was constant, straight-to-the-veins, mainline <laughs> magic yeah. that was boring because... And- it could have happened at any point in time. Yeah. We've seen it all before. It's flashing lights and a whoosh noise on the screen. I don't care. And I suppose thinking aloud in relation to what you were saying just then, in the Fantastic Beasts movie and in a lot of the Harry Potter movies, you see magic, as you said, kind of just being hidden from the non-magical world. Like, yeah. all of the first one is them frantically running through, like, the muggle world. Yeah, I still remember Dumbledore to... doing the streetlight yeah, shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. But, like, even in, like, in the, the first... Deluminator. Yeah, yeah. In the first Fantasy Beast movie, they're in Central Park trying to catch this fucking magic rhino thing. Or, yeah. like, they're just wandering down the streets in this, like, muggle jewelry shop trying to catch the Niffler thing. So, like, they are... It's like magic interacting with a non-magical world. Whereas, like, mm. the whole plot of this second one was pretty much, like, exclusively revolved around the wizarding world and you were just in the wizarding uh, ministry the whole time and then they were like in these little underground wizardy caves the whole time and then like in and then the in, wizardy tomb. in like a graveyard that had no humans in it because yeah. if they had humans in it it would be harder <laughs> to write <laughs> yeah but like, like yeah what you just said made me realize that like yeah this whole second movie had nothing really to do with the muggle world at all no. which maybe is the reason why it felt less wondrous because you no, don't really get yeah. you don't really get like see this non-magical thing actually it's like this underneath it was just like yeah there are these racist wizard dudes and they want to kill everyone and i think like as well there's no like it's starting to suffer from that thing where there are no stakes because i know that Newt's not going to die you yeah. know i mean like well, Actually, we don't know that. We don't some, know that. Some core characters. He's, in, he's, he's or, written his book. We don't need him. <laughs> I guess some semi <laughs> nice. Some semi core characters in this end up d- dying because Grindelwald's doing the Charles Manson thing and recruiting people and killing those that don't yeah. go to him. Right. So, like, okay, definite spoilers because this is the very kind of end of the movie. He ends up recruiting Credence. Ends up recruiting Queenie. Ends up burning the shit out of a whole bunch of auras. Yeah. Um, Jacob is fine and so is Newt. So, like, Credence... Oh, Tina's fine as well. So, like, Credence is kind of, like, fulfills his destiny of going and being a pawn for a bad dude. And, yeah, yeah, we lose Queenie for, like, no real reason. Because she's... In the first one, yeah, she's a kind of a... Like, this is very uh, reductionist, but a ditz who actually yeah. is a lot deeper than that and has some real emotional Well, she says that she's clever on. and independent and capable. Yeah, she is. And and I think the fact that she can read minds is a really good way to represent that because it's yeah. saying, like, she can't always articulate herself very well, but she really gets what's going on. Yeah. You know? More than other people do. And, then the and in the one, second one, she's just, like, this manipulatable puppet. She's, like, immediately like, controlled by Grindelwald. Yeah. And she's like, I understand him. Yeah. And it's like, why don't you read his internal thoughts and you'll realize yeah. that they're all like fucking evil. <laughs> if we're getting towards the end, um, this could be like a if people don't want to have to watch the second one, but they want to get the vaguer gist of the second one, we can go right to the very end. A couple of little details that tie back into the whole wider world. Mm. It turns out that Credence is 
Dumbledore's long lost brother. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which already made no sense because Dumbledore had very explicitly said, like, they had a conversation earlier in the second movie. Uh, the second in this Fantasy Beast movie yeah. about like, have you ever lost a sibling? And Dumbledore's like, yes, I have lost one sister. Yeah, and then <laughs> it's like, Credence, you're the lost brother. Yeah, that's it's a, like what you remember how we were talking about that, that bad Chekhov's gun shit. <laughs> yeah, where they set you up for a twist, and then yeah. they're like, ah, oh, you didn't see it, you fucking idiot. And it's like, well, no, that's because you literally lied to me. Yeah, and I had no reason to doubt that. Yeah, at no point was it like I had a uh, I lost one bro. Uh, sister, yeah. which would have been terrible, but it would have been more honest yeah. than just deceiving your audience. I just I thought I'd miss something. Was, yeah, there was no exactly, and that's what <laughs> that's what the end result is. There's no, oh my god, because you're sitting there you're being like, like but you said it was a sister. Yeah, <laughs> it makes no Why? sense. Why? Um, oh, were you? Was he lying yeah. or what? <laughs> One bit of world building I thought was cool was the introduction of the the human character Nagini. Um, oh, the snake. Right. Yeah, so that's Dumbledore's the, the idea, snake. It's yeah. uh, uh, Voldemort's, Voldemort's snake. snake. The idea being that Voldemort has this giant pet snake that seems to understand everything he says, and he has this kinship with his snake. The twist in this movie being that there are these wizards and witches that are in the wizarding world that have this ailment whereby every night they turn into It's like into a curse this, or something. Yeah, it's shit. like a curse where they turn... So in this case, this is this, like, this 18-year-old chick who every night turns into this giant snake uh, against her will and the person explaining it says like every night it goes on a little bit longer and one day they never turn back into a human being in yeah. the morning again they just always she'll be a snake forever and you're like oh I'm, I'm a genius I know a little bit about the most successful franchise of all time yeah I mean to be honest <laughs> the name Nagini like rang a bell to me but then my partner leaned across and was just like that's a snake that follow my ass and I was like oh yeah it is so yeah. I didn't get that moment of yeah, satisfaction no, I thought it was cool um, overall though fuck this movie um, yeah, it was just a waste of time. The next one could be cool, so all you need to know for the next one, because they apparently insist on keeping this fucking Credence boy in it, even though I couldn't give a fuck about him. He is also the most cardboard character. Flattest nothing What a waste character. of Ezra fucking Miller. I just hate because this Because he's character. actually a great actor who's shown huge amounts of range, and the point yeah. of this character is that they're a stunted social outcast yeah. that never says anything. So, all you need to know for movie three, which might be good, is that Credence is the long-lost brother of Dumbledore. Uh, Dumbledore. Um, Dumbledore made a blood pact with Grindelwald back when Dumbledore and Grindelwald were best friends as teenagers that they would never fight, yeah. which is why um, throughout this second film, Dumbledore insisted on like not helping Newt try and get Grindelwald. See, he didn't insist very, very on not end, helping. They came to him and they were like, will you fight he Grindelwald? Was like, no. Which is a weird question to ask. No, and he says, I can't. Yeah. Wouldn't the, wouldn't you not I, have no, them barking up I, the same tree when you're like, I can't. If you bring me this little bulb thing that he yeah. carries around with him all the time, yeah. then I can. Well, and I thought that was all right. I thought it was like a mysteriously Dumbledore-y thing um, where... They thought maybe he was just being Dumbledore and being like passive, being a pacifist. And There's they were a like, point where on, you're Dumbledore. not the good guy if you obstruct people's <laughs> work that yeah, hard. Just by not saying, just by, stuff, by not keeping by not being your clear. fucking mouth yeah. shut. So like, no, Dumbledore, to, you're not mysterious. You're a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, so just to get through my, my summary there, um, when they made this blood pact, there was this magical little talisman thing that was formed, um, and the Niffler steals this talisman at the end of the second movie. Newt presents it to Dumbledore and he goes, oh, I don't know how you got this. It was like where it wore around Grindelwald's neck. Yeah. And Dumbledore reckons if he can somehow break this talisman thing, he will, will he be no longer bound by this blood pact and he'll be able to fight Grindelwald. Um, yeah. He's obviously going to do that because everyone knows he fights Grindelwald. I guess, yeah. Um, 
so that's I think that's I think that's like all you need to know from this movie. Oh, and another thing that was super shoehorned in is Grindelwald's motives, which are that like the humans are going to kill themselves and like they're going to go to World War Two and they're all bad and they don't really know what's best for them. So we know what's best for them, which is probably to kill them. And it's like okay, I get it. You're like you're yeah. you're a fascist. No, that was no. I, I saw that as him presenting this war thing as a way to recruit wizards to his side and kind of lying to them and kind it of was. propaganda yeah no it was real because that was again before the atom bomb went off he was showing I mean, them that i know atom it's bomb. yeah i know but it was like <laughs> i know world war Two happened yeah <laughs> um but like i i saw it as like him kind of being deceit deceitful and using that prediction of the future as like propaganda but he's not being deceitful He's just saying, like, yeah. why are we trying to help these people? They're helpless. Leave them behind. Let's go and, I suppose like... So, yeah. or, no, because they don't want... He, he uses all of this fascist rhetoric, right? Where he's saying, like, they're not different. They're just differently valued. Or they, yeah. they, they just have a different well, place or in a different use. He refers to them as, like, pack beasts. Grindelwald's whole deal is, like, why the fuck are we forced to be hiding in the shadows and, like being so secretive away from muggles we could really live our fucking high life if we could just live out in the open and not have, keep ourselves secret from muggles fuck the muggles but he also wants to like enslave them he says yeah. he calls them pack beasts he refers to them as like beasts t- of tools and yeah exactly beasts of burden yeah. right so like his point is like look if we leave them to their own devices they'll start a war it'll be absolutely terrible yeah um, they don't know how to care for themselves so what we should do is we should harness their ability but be dominant <laughs> you know and it's kind of like the, the, just the most tired fascist bad yeah. guy rhetoric that yeah. they just uh, like what was the ratings of both of these ones because I think the first film was a PG right oh you mean like the no I don't, the classification no I don't know because I reckon that he, here's, here would be my guess I reckon the first one was PG and I think this one was M and I think the reason why is that they were like oh we want it to be like darker and like grittier and like have some <laughs> have some like themes you know what's you know what like is a hot topic in the media right now racism so <laughs> like let's see if we can get some of that and then it's just turned into the most boilerplate shit yeah it just felt like an off cut an, an off very it's Harry really movie. bad just yeah. a bad poor script but there's a lot of important shit set up that they are not going to explain to you in number three, so you're, yeah, you'll be and, fine. And actually, sorry, just to add to that, Newt yeah. has been a notoriously unpopular character with critics, um, despite, as I described earlier, I think being a really excellent protagonist. Yeah, Newt especially got totally in fucked in the universe. second movie. Yeah, he did, and I reckon it was their way. Uh, I I think because this is getting across the board mediocre, middling to poor reviews. I they're think gonna they're going to point at Newt and uh, say people don't like him. Get him out of there. And so I think this next well, couple of movies, if they're that's probably true, because if they're pivoting towards the movie being about Dumbledore chasing movie. down yep. Grindelwald, I think which Jude, is, is story Jude I Law see. might be the main character in the next movie. Oh, that's a good point. Like, you there's no I mean? reason for him to be in it anymore. Yeah, and they'll blame it on Newt, despite the fact that it's the piss poor writing and script. They might not even the blame it. They might just badly. not mention it. They might just no. Like, you know what? In, yeah. Internally, they'll blame it. Yeah, like they'll say people, the, people, the cr- crowds aren't responding well to this. Let's yeah. move away from this whole like kind, soft, empathetic dude, yeah. and let's just keep having more wizard fight scenes because that's <laughs> what people want. And it's like, no, it. The ratings went down. It's not even clear how the wizard fight scenes work. The ratings <laughs> went down when you moved away from Newt. Yeah, you know when you shoehorn him into a shit other type character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but they oh. won't listen to reason. I so. think that the second one was a lot worse than the I, first I one. I hope you are right. Yeah. I hope that the third one can be better. Yeah. I just have well such severe doubts. The Dumbledore now. Grindelwald story itself is something I'm interested in seeing. 
because they allude to it in the Harry Potter movies. It's just they'd have to do it right. Like, they could have done the second film right. They could have, like, told the story in an interesting way. They yeah. just fucked it. So it's not that, like, wizard fight scenes suck or that, like, oh, it's just chasing another They're, dark wizard. It's like they have to retell it in new, an though. interesting yeah. new way. Which they won't. Which they won't, exactly. So yeah. if, I hope they don't fuck it. Um, also, it Jude, was cool. Jude Law's cool, but Johnny Yeah, he's Depp. great. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Johnny Depp, whatever. I'm, I'm still, I'm oh, still not convinced he's, he's a good actor anymore. because, like, he's a bad person. Oh, he's bad, but whatever. Yeah, but like, also, like, every single character he plays is a weird cartoony character, and I just want to see him. Like, he's not even doing that much of that in this movie. He's no, not even he's doing not. his weird shtick. It could be anyone. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Ugh. Oh, every character in this is shallow and boring. Yeah. Remember when Gary Oldman was in a Harry Potter movie? <laughs> Um, Fucking get Gary Oldman can pass off as any character. They should have gotten Gary Oldman to play just, Grindelwald. Just not mention that he's also serious. But... Genuinely, just not mention it. What's yeah. the series that does that? Deadpool did it with like Josh Brolin in the Marvel universe. Oh, yeah. where he plays like yeah, uh, plays Thanos as well. Like they yeah. should have just done that. Just not mention it. Like ah, yeah. it just you know people look like other people sometimes. Uh, that's why that's why series has got a dark streak. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Or, oh God. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we can probably wrap. Or it up. Or they could just sh- like retcon it into fucking. Oh, Sirius Black's dad was bloody Grindelwald. He was blood brothers with Grindelwald or whatever. Blah, yeah, blah, exactly. Blah. That's yeah. why they look the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we can probably wrap it up there. Stupid. I think that uh, Fantastic Beasts 1 was better than Fantastic Beasts Absolutely. 2. Absolutely. Um, I don't know where it really stands in relation to the other Harry Potter movies. I think the other good Harry Potter movies are probably like um, Azkaban, number three. That's a really good yeah, one. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. I don't think number Harry Potter 1 and 2 really date that well. No. Um, then I think... Four, I really liked. Three and four were great. Five and six, I don't quite remember. And then seven, part one and two were really exciting to watch, and I fucking loved them. I don't remember part one, but I remember part two being great. I remember part one had this awesome cliffhanger where Voldemort finds the older one, and is like, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Uh, I think that if you're going to go back and watch these Harry Potter movies, or any of them... Um, I feel like everyone knows about the Harry Potter movies. I easily... Three three is going back and rewatching because it came out when we were kids. Yeah. I think that seven part two is worth rewatching, and I think the Fantastic Beasts version one is one of the best ones they ever did. I, I would easily say that I enjoyed Fantastic Beasts the first one as much as I enjoyed any of the Harry Potter films. Yeah, they were great, and like easily. the fact that we're adults saying that is great. I think the fact yeah. that like they've managed to adapt and like grow the content with their audience. Yeah, yeah. In the same way as the Harry Potter films continue to get darker. Yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah, yeah. Really uh, cool. With that, should we kick it to the news? Yeah. All right. All right. Beef station, beef bullet. After that stellar paced intro, we're waiting for Oscar to unlock his phone. Two best picture Oscar statuettes are to be auctioned off in a rare sale. Auctions of Oscar statuettes are very uncommon because winners from 1951 onwards have had to agree that they or their heirs will offer to sell the the statue back to the Academy for $1 before trying to sell it to anyone else. (laughs) Holy shit. So they're like, no, if you want to sell it, offer to to sell it back to us for a dollar. See what we say. Why... (laughs) Because they don't want it out there. No, like, I know. There's lots of reasons why it didn't have to be sell it back to us for a dollar. You could just say... You have to give it to us. We'll only award the contract. Yeah. yeah you could say you have to donate it back to us. Maybe there's something about donations. Whatever, but yeah. Are they going to say no to buying it for a dollar? Whatever it is. Auction Wine house. Cent. So there's, there's, a, there's, an auction, there's an auction house here. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> Wine cent, yeah. It's just a big fuck you. It's, so fu- it's funny, but... The Oscars that are for sale, uh, the Oscar, the Best Picture Oscars won by Mutiny on the Bounty in 1936. Right. And for the film Gentleman's Agreement uh, that was awarded in 1948. 
Uh, they are expected to go for $200,000 and $300,000, respectively, uh, which I think is pretty Why? exciting. I don't know. It seems like it's an interesting piece of film history. The fact that you can't fucking get one unless you make a movie that goes on to win Best Picture. I guess that's is yeah, pretty, cool, pretty cool, you know? Um, I well, think, like, I think what, can an Oscar win to give it to someone else? Oh, I mean, you, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. You if wouldn't. I give you an Oscar trophy and you give me two hundred fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> no, see, I think you're about to be <laughs> given a giant Arrested lawsuit for tax fraud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Michael Jackson acquired David O. Selznick Gone with the Wind Oscar for a record one and a half million dollars in nineteen ninety nine. Jesus. Um, Orson Welles' statuette for Citizen Kane sold for, sold for just over eight hundred and sixty. That should have gone for more than whatever the fuck the other one was. Yeah, I know, but it's Michael Jackson. He'll overpay for anything. <laughs> um, he paid like $50 million for the Beatles catalog. Yeah, but he's just making he, money Just because he that. wanted it. So he could be like, hey, Paul, look what I've got. <laughs> um, oh, did you did you write these? <laughs> oh. 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 Ah. Uh, news this week came that William Goldman died. He was the Oscar-winning writer of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid oh, okay. and The Princess Bride. Oh, that's right. So I think yeah, he wrote yeah, the book yeah. and the movie for The Princess Bride. Mm. Oh, he J.K. Rowling it. That's it. He wrote a whole bunch of stuff. And he also did uh, some <laughs> behind-the-scenes script doctoring without taking credit for films like A Few Good Men and Indecent Proposal. Mm. Um, he's been a, a, a huge writer in Hollywood for quite a long time. So... Excelsior. We'll just say that for a moment. <laughs> 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 uh, um, yeah, so sorry to see. I fucking love The Princess Bride, man. It's such a good movie. One day I will watch it. Yeah. Um, the book that he wrote, The Princess Bride, is presented as a best bits abridged version of a fictional extended book called The Princess Bride. Yep. <laughs> which, which is cool. Um, Margot Robbie reveals the full title of her Harley Quinn spin-off movie. It's going to be called The Birds of Prey, The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Um, I gather they're so, trying to be cute and kitschy and reflect her character, but that is an objectively terrible movie title. Yeah, people have compared it to Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. <laughs> yeah, that's... F- except one of those is going to be good. Yeah. Um... Uh, Ewan McGregor is playing Batman villain Black Mask in the film with Robbie's other co-stars including Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress uh, some other okay. person you've never heard as a character you've never heard and the rest of this is DC who gives I love a that one fuck <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch uh, the first Suicide Squad apparently it was terrible the second uh, Suicide yeah. Squad of course is being directed by James Gunn Yep. so maybe that'll be good um, I couldn't give a Fuck about that movie, so I haven't bothered no. to look up who else yeah, is in same. it. Same, I probably won't even see it. No. Um, Fuck those in movies. a story close to Beef Station Hearts, Henry Cavill's Mission Impossible mustache yeah, is dude. back in headlines and it's inspired yeah. a Movember charity donation. <laughs> Hell yeah. Excellent. <laughs> the studio that made Mission Impossible Fallout <laughs> has donated to Movember in memory of Henry Cavill's facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's pretty good. Such a fuck you. Good job. (laughs) Superman. (laughs) 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 Like one of the XX has like pulled his pants down for a photo shoot and it says Zack Snyder (laughs) on his butt cheeks. (laughs) They tweeted it and tweeted it and said, in memory of the mustache we're donating to the Movember Foundation, hashtag long live the mo, hashtag shaved but not forgotten. (laughs) 
Yes. Pretty good. Very, very good. Good one, guys. Did you think to rub that lawsuit in their face? Um, <laughs> and the last... Oh, God. The last story I've got um, <laughs> is, is one of those things where it's like, <laughs> is that news? Yeah. Exclusive. Uh, Peter Weller is not interested in reprising the role for Robocop Returns. Right, so... Great. Is this news... The Robocop sequel no one knew about isn't happening? Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, it'll happen with someone else. <laughs> no, it's appa- even less news than that. Apparently, Neil Bl- I've heard that apparently Neil Blomkamp is involved in rebooting X franchise about 14 times. Yeah. In the meantime, motherfucker hasn't made a single movie. No. It was like, you know Neil Blomkamp's working on a Halo movie? I was like, oh my God, that'd be great. Yeah. And then the other week, that we were like, be great. Neil Blomkamp's working on Alien. And now apparently this Finish one is- Finish the Halo movie first. No, I finished the first Avatar movie, first five Avatar movies, and then we're interested. Um, <laughs> Now, apparently, oh, Neil Blomkamp God. is definitely working on a Robocop sequel, okay. um, which, again, I'll watch anything Neil Blomkamp Robocop, the, Dude's awesome. The first new Roto- Robocop with, like, Lena Headey, and it was actually great. I didn't even realize that was a thing. Yeah, it was really good. Right, okay, well, there you go. I'm thinking of Judge Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, dude hasn't made anything Judge since... Judge Dredd was really good. Dude hasn't made anything since Chappie, Chappie. and Elysium. Yeah, and boy, did he fuck up Chappie. Yeah. And really, okay, so, he, yeah. Elysium was really good. Elysium was great. Yeah. Chappie was... Uh, very poorly received. So yeah. <laughs> this chappie was uh, not happy with that one. No, <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah, because it was a bad movie. And it kind of rhymes as well. Yeah. Um. So we saw an Aquaman trailer Hell while yeah. we were waiting for um for Fantastic Beasts, and it looked about as good as Fantastic Beasts ended up being. <laughs> that writing I don't know, could be right. So bad. I other um, trailers that came out this week. Lego, the Lego Movie Two mm. trailer. Um, got released. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but the first Lego movie was fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was astonishingly good. Yeah, having worked in childcare um, and having seen a lot of Lego movies, the original one is 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 great. That's a movie you could watch a hundred times. Uh, maybe not a hundred, <laughs> but pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's about all the news I've got for this week. I've got a couple of um, or like I guess in the vein of trailers. So something that no one knew was happening Hell yeah. is that the so you know how like you know Resident Evil that famous video game series yep. yeah um for listeners who don't play it's a famous video game series that is now a we're famous done. video game series <laughs> um they were also kind of booted by this guy Paul W.S. Anderson into uh, a franchise of, of films so there was like three or four of them or something like that and they all yeah, starred sure. Mila Jovovich as the main evil resident (laughs) and um so (laughs) i think like just in keeping with movies of capcom ip um the first official image has been released from a monster hunter film oh i saw that that'll be good which is really interesting if you guys don't again don't play anything just google monster hunter or like monster hunter armor and you'll see it's so (laughs) wacky and, like, the storyline is weird. There are these, like, um, half-human-sized pet cats that walk around on their back legs that follow you around. They're called palicos. Dudes with a sword that are as tall as them and twice yeah, as like wide as them. Buster swords that are, like, five times as big as people. <laughs> yeah. And people just swing them around like normal. Like, I'm looking at this prop from this still image, and it's looking like they're approaching that size buster sword. So, <laughs> I'm happy. Fuck uh, yeah. Mila Jovovich is also in these ones. So, right. I think that this guy exclusively makes new Capcom... agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she literally... It's just her and this guy that are like, all right, what Capcom... 
Capcom video game got released last year. Cool. We're making a new movie. So, yeah, interesting one. I'm not going to see one of those until I get my Street Fighter 4 movie. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Marvel vs. Oh, Street that's Fighter. Not, that's not Capcom. It's- Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, fine. Whatever that fighting game is. Yeah, you did know. good, kid. Um, another, uh, not so much film related, but um, the, this we might as well end up on this on this piece. Um, there is a reboot of the Twilight Zone coming up called yeah. Tales of the Unexpected. Um, oh baby! It involves Jordan Peele of Key and Peele. That sounds very tenuous. And uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Hell yeah! Has just signed on. For some role or other, dude loves that so, shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also J.K. Simmons is in the new Veronica Mars reboot. Man, good. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Great. Yeah. I love J.K. I'm just sad that he's doing that instead of something else. <laughs> cool. Well, let's end it there. Thanks for joining us for another week on Beef Station. You're very as welcome. All- <laughs> yeah, thanks for rocking up this time, boy. Got three episodes in the can that I recorded for an hour by myself. Didn't even realize he was here. <laughs> Sorry, I- I'm on my way. Turned to him, started the news se- news music and. It's even more oh. astonishing that every week I bring the audio recorder. <laughs> Just sitting there talking into a tin can with a string coming out the bottom of it. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Beef Station. <laughs> That's it. Oh. The string just trails um. out the window and we haven't found where it goes yet. So. Shut up! <laughs> yeah. Quit taking up the string. He's doing his radio show This guy's again. trying to connect to string dial-up internet and <laughs> <laughs> you're taking up the line. <laughs> <laughs> As always, if you want to email us, beefstationpod at gmail.com. Just make that noise into your phone. And it'll <laughs> yeah, just- <laughs> Beef Station Online. <laughs> and we'll hear. We'll hear you. Um, uh, Facebook.com slash beefstationpod. Follow us at, on Twitter. That's at beefstationpod. Yep. If another social media network comes up and we don't get at Beef Station Pod, we'll kill ourselves. What's the um? Yeah, well, uh, I'm yet to set up a Mastodon account, but I'll get around to it <laughs> what the eventually. Fuck is Mastodon? It's like a Twitter competitor that's already dead. Oh great! Yeah, <laughs> thank God. It's funnier if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another week. I'm Oscar. Andrew. See you later. Come on, I want to see your hands in the air. We're gonna teach you a brand new dance tonight. So move your body. You gotta help us off roads. Together we can do this thing. Are you ready? Are you ready? Move your body like a hero. Learn it to rock and roll. I spin around like a crazy elf. I dancing by himself. I boogie down like a unicorn. I don't stop until the break of dawn. I put your hands up in the